Every single day I feel Artlist I.O. Every single day I feel the pressure. Double up the way, let's make it extra. Working so my mother get a rest, yeah. Working like I never know I'm best, yeah. Every single day I feel the pressure. Welcome back to That One Studio, folks. It's your boy C-Rock in the building on the What Are You Made Up show. Feeling that pressure. I got uh, some great guests here today. Usually we do one-on-one conversations, but occasionally we'll have a couple people pop in at the same time, and I'm glad to have these fellas here. We're going to talk about taxes and strategies and real estate, and but also find out what they're made of. So today I have Thomas Castelli in the building and Brandon Hall. They also have a podcast and uh, Brandon works with real estate investors, syndicates, and private equity funds to optimize tax positions and streamline accounting and business functions. He believes that real estate investing is critical to building sustainable and generational wealth. He's worked at PricewaterhouseCoopers, Ernst & Young, prior to launching his own CPA firm, Hall CPA. Uh, and also, uh, we have Thomas in the building. Thomas Castelli is a tax strategist and real estate investor who helps the real estate investors keep more of their hard-earned dollars in their pockets and out of the government's pocket, which I... <laughs> I love that. Hey, fellas, I got a big tax return. I couldn't believe it. I wasn't, I, I was like this, this, uh, this past tax year, I wait till, uh, uh, October, September, October to do my 2022 taxes. Right. I do because I have businesses that I've waiting on all these paperwork from. So anyway, uh, for some reason, I just forgot about the things that I was investing in. <laughs> I know it's crazy, but I was going through a lot of different things in business and I just forgot. And I forgot how much tax deferment or, uh, write-offs I was going to have. Right. So I end up getting this $50,000 refund and I'm like, holy shit, I thought I was going to owe money. So it's always a good thing. And you kind of feel guilty sometimes when you, uh, you're able to get rid of some real estate liability that you think you have, isn't it? Well, I don't know. Yeah, about I love it. it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it's just like, if, you know, like if you have like, you feel like you're supposed to be paying more, but you're not. And it's, I don't know. It's more, maybe, it's, maybe I'm just weird. Um, well, I mean, they, I don't they, want to. yeah, look like con Congress writes, tax law to incentivize different behavior right so if if the law is written in a in such a way that you can invest in real estate and receive large uh tax deductions that yield savings and large refunds like you got then uh i don't think there's anything wrong with it yeah yeah i think i'm I'll, i feel guilty that i paid them ahead of time and they didn't they didn't like give me any interest that's what i really feel guilty about oh. <laughs> you know if like you don't pay them on time Guess right. what? You're paying interest and penalties. They're coming after you. Yeah. They don't do that for us. They don't pay us interest, you know, so unless you buy a bond or something. Anyway, like, fellas, we start this show the same way every time, and that's with this question, and you guys, whoever wants to start, uh, what are you made of? I'm made of, uh, I'm made of protein shakes, man, straight up. Like, that's, that's the majority <laughs> of my diet. No, no, I'm kidding. So, so I, I made a pro, so I, I, what am I made of? That's a good question. So I, I work out a lot. Um, that's one of the big things in my life. I'm also, I read a lot, so I read a lot of books on how to be better as a person um, in terms of like personal development, how to uh, market. So that's kind of what I'm made of at the end of the day, are books and, and protein shakes. Protein straight shakes. Up. <laughs> how about you, Brandon? Uh, I'm made of uh, spreadsheets, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like to, no, I would say, what am I made of? Uh, resilience. You know, it was, I, I took a big risk early in my life to launch a CPA firm. A lot of people that are launching firms don't really do that until they're in their 30s. I was 25 and uh, just believed that I could build something that was different, a little more unique than what the industry uh, was used to at the time. And that required, I went through a lot of pain and suffering to uh, <laughs> to get to where we are today. Um, 
and that that resilience was was what got me here. Uh, so and Tom's actually a partner at the firm. So I do want to do want to say that that Tom and I work together at the firm. Um, yeah, man, just just resilience, just uh, dumb enough maybe to just keep plowing through. I guess. <laughs> Yeah. I had a mentor one time tell me he was just, when he started his business, he was just too, too stupid to understand how close he was to like going out of business at all times, you know? Hey, you and, know, I've had that conversation before with some other accountants, uh, that I now kind of mentor and it's like, you know, knowing all the risks that I took and truly appreciating it now, I don't know that I would have, uh, launched a business. <laughs> so I just didn't understand it. Yeah. Well, I truly, I truly think, and I said this, uh, I put this on a uh, Instagram story the other day. I was like, you know what? Perspective is more powerful than intelligence, mm-hmm. right? So speaking of perspective, I'll say that again for those listening that missed it, the audience here, because my audience sometimes saying they may not be paying attention or just want to tune in so that they can say they tune into my show. <laughs> I'm, I'm just messing with them. Um, perspective is more powerful than intelligence, and what I mean by that is like, well, we talked about that, like how stupid I was. I, I was so dumb. I didn't even realize how close I was or how much risk I took, suffering, pain. Really, let's, let's, let's put a different perspective on it because I do this in my businesses all the time. I'm like, what's the worst that can happen? I got to start all over again. Like I, I got to, you know, I came into this world butt naked, not knowing how to speak, no relationships, no wisdom, no experience, and I made it. So if I go back to being butt naked again with nothing, but I have all these things now, how much faster it will be, right? And and also, you guys ever seen that movie Cocktail? You might be too young for this. No. Tom Cruise Cocktail. No. You should watch it. It's a great movie. He he basically goes into the restaurant business, drops out of college, and becomes a bartender. And his dream is to open up a a, a place in the in the Caribbean and a bar and restaurant kind of thing and live his life there. Cocktails and something dreams, I think they called it. But it's a great movie. And I, I, I think to myself sometimes, like, what's the worst case scenario? I just got to be a bartender in the Caribbean somewhere and just live a simple life? Like, so is it really risk? Yeah, I mean, it's a good point. If, if that's worst case scenario, then why not take the risks, right? Right, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Better than living regret. I mean, it's better than living regret, right? You know, you took the shot, and uh, whether you, you, know, you, you fail, you could always start over again, like you said. So it's yeah, worth taking the risk. Yeah. yeah. How many, how many people do you think are living a life where they didn't try? They wanted to, but they didn't. So they wake up every morning and go through this loop. Yeah. A psychotic a loop of going to work, getting paid whatever they get paid, coming home, doing the same stuff all the time. Uh, and, they, and, people. Yeah. And they're not fulfilled. But the answer is right in front of them. Like, just do it. And then you could always go back to doing that cycle if you needed to. Right? right. Yeah. Yeah, but that's where the entrepreneur is are able to step in and build great businesses because even though people might feel that way, they're not willing to take the risk. Yeah. Yeah. Well, fellas, tell me the story of like, how did you guys come to be friends, partners? No, oh, man, doing what you're doing. Were you well, part of that original cohort of preparers that I had, Tom? Is that how we, I came in in 2017, the tail end of 2017 in November, okay. actually about, actually about six years ago now. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cause I, when I started my business, I had, I like put out a little job ad for uh, tax preparers. I needed them contract contract tax preparers, just part time. And I told the initial cohort that whoever was the best, I'd have a job for them at the end of the tax season. And I ended up hiring two of those people. But I think Tom came in. You must have come in like six months later. 
uh, we'd connected on like an online forum, I think yeah. somehow. Yeah. So, was, so I, yeah. I was a recruiter for a while and I had a really wide network of accountants at the time. And, um, I saw Brandon posting on LinkedIn all the time about real estate tax and all this stuff. And I was like, I was on the precipice. I'm like, I'm about to go start my, I was going to start my own accounting firm so I could put the lights, so I could pay for my bills so I could go invest in real estate. That was my plan. Um, but then I saw Brandon posting and I'm like, oh, let me reach out to the Brandon who I didn't really know outside of maybe bigger pockets. And that's kind of how it started. He, he gave me, he's like, call me on a Saturday. So I called him on a Saturday and uh, he's like, I'll give you a two week trial as an independent contractor at the firm. And then uh, at the end of the two weeks, I ended up getting like a job offer for the start. I think January, 2018 is when I officially started. And that's kind of, yeah. that's how, it, that's how it started. And then Tom stepped into, so I was running this podcast um, at the time. It was called the real estate CPA podcast today. It's called tax smart real estate investors. And when, when Tom joined, the podcast was really haphazard. Just whenever I had a chance to sit down and record an episode, I would. So Tom joins and he goes, Hey, I think that there's a real opportunity for this podcast and I want to help you, but we got to do it consistently. And like the only day we're allowed to miss, I think is like Christmas or something. Yeah. And so, so he took over and I was, I was like, that's great as long as you run it on like on a weekly basis, then I'll show up and you can be my co-host and build your brand and all that type of stuff. Uh, so we, so he stepped in and made this thing consistent. That was back in 20, that was probably like middle of 2018. And now this podcast has like 130,000 downloads a month. It's, it's crazy. It, it like constitutes 2 million in revenue a year for us in new revenue a year. Um, I mean, it's awesome. So yeah, Tom, like Congrats. hats off to Tom for taking the reins and, and making us stick to a schedule that, on that podcast. That's how you become a favorite of somebody you're working for, right? You figure out a way to make a big difference, impact in the company, generate revenue. That's number one, right? You get a guy that's working for you or a lady that's working for you and they're generating revenue. Uh, that's the most powerful people in the company. Oh yeah. You know, absolutely. Great job, Tom. Thanks. It's the rainmakers that make the world go around, right? That's right. That's right. <laughs> Yeah, man. And so uh, when you guys did the podcast and besides being consistent and then putting good content out, like what, what are some of the things for those listening? Cause I talk about this a lot with podcasts and what are some of the things for those listening that created the opportunity to have so many downloads and, and led to that? What was the catalyst for that? Yeah, I think there was like one or maybe two things. So first we had, we were in the real estate space, right? And there's a ton of real estate investing podcasts out there. But like we had a niche talking about taxes, right? So like we came at an angle where there was really no podcast in that space talking about real estate tax. So I think that was part of it. The second thing was I took like, I listened to a lot of rap music growing up, just to be frank, and uh, they used features, right? So you'd have like a new artist would come out, say like Drake, for example, Lil Wayne would hop on all of Drake's tracks. And now Lil Wayne's yep. audience would now see drake as like on the same level as little wayne so what we did was i went out and got a bunch of people who already had real estate podcasts like like rod cleef and all these other guys and uh, brought them on the show and then what happens is like as you go out into the podcast network they start seeing you as being in the same like sphere as all these other people and that kind of elevates your your expert status if you will um and i think the combination of those two things combined with the consistency is what got made the show take off and also the timing right because we came in this is 20 this is i think september 2018 podcasts were still out there but it was not as saturated as it is today so we were able to get in and get a slice of the listenership 
early on. And I think it's a little bit more challenging to do that today. It's not impossible, but more challenging, I would say for sure. Yeah. No, I listen to hip hop too. I don't know if you thought I didn't because I have gray in my beard and stuff, but yeah, I was, I was old school. Like I came in when, you know, Nas and Jay-Z started and you know, the, the uh, she's man, all of them, man. It was my favorite back in the day. I mean, I don't, we're getting off the track here, but it's okay. Um, uh, geez. Yeah. Nas, Jay-Z, Biggie, all the major ones. And then I had my, had my, like, you know, the under underground guys like, uh, damn, there's ones that, I, um, Freaky Todd. Who were they? Uh, shit, I just can't think of uh, the name of the group. Wu Tang. Just Kang? listening to them the other day. Nah, Wu Tang, obviously, but they're not underground. Um, damn, it was something to. Anyway, I'll think of it as we're we're conversing. We'll be talking about real estate investing and this, and then all of a sudden it'll come to me. The Lost Boys. Yeah, it was the Lost Boys. If you don't know about them, check them out. And then Mob Deep and all them. But yeah, that's that's my uh, my day. How old are you guys, by the way? Oh man, I'm 32. 33. 30, 30, low, early 30s? Okay, I'm 46, yeah. yeah, so I still feel like I'm in my 20s, though. Anyway, um, so once you got up and running and, and, and then you saw Thomas starting to, like, you know, step his game up, how did, how did he get into the partnership, becoming a partner? Uh, that was a multi-year grind. Uh, you, got, you became a partner in 2021? Yeah, it was the top right. of 2021, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I basically took three of my, uh, at the time, top performers and basically just like hey want to build a big business with you guys do you want into equity and uh tom was one of the guys that said yes um really wasn't much more to it so well i mean also yeah we had a successful advisory division i would say too that that that's true yes tom tom was able to build a small team that consistently churned good results and that team has now become a large team and the results have exploded. So, um, but Tom built a lot of the early stages of that. So Tom, Tom's the type of guy that if you, if you need something done, Tom's going to deliver. He always delivers. Uh, and I can't say that about many other people in my firm, um, or even in my life, you know, but if Tom makes a promise, he's, he's going to get it done. Uh, I mean, I, I told people like, I think Tom, works harder than i do <laughs> it just did just we, did we did we just come up with a nickname for tom the delivery man delivery man <laughs> he delivers yeah he delivers he does deliver he, if, if he makes a promise it's it's gonna get done that's awesome how big's the firm now fellas we've got 45 in the u.s and 20 offshore we're adding another 25 or 30 people by the end of this year congrats man i love it Thanks. i love seeing success man i mean it's just and you talked about the the risk, and you talked about the struggle and all the pain. What 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 does that mean, Brandon? Like, what what kind of struggle and pain did you really go through? Like, can you share that with us? Yeah, I mean, a lot of it's mental. Um, you know, everybody talks about mental health, and I don't know where you know people stand on that. But at the end of the day, when you have when you do think when you're starting a business, you're going to make a lot of mistakes, and uh, clients don't like mistakes. <laughs> Right, they like a great experience, even if they're paying bottom dollar for it. Which at the time I didn't realize we were charging bottom dollar. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, when you start a business, there's there's just a lot to manage. I I, I was trading in a career where I had one boss for a hundred bosses, uh, and then I also had to figure out how to systematize my firm so that my employees felt safe. And you know, figuring out how to build all those systems and keep everybody happy in the process. Uh, it took a long time. I mean, it took us 
I, I would say we didn't really start hitting. I mean, we, we were always we were we were always growing very fast. We're the, I believe, we're the fastest growing CPA firm in the country, uh, from an organic growth perspective. So we grow about forty to fifty percent per year top line revenue. Um, most firms to grow that fast will buy firms that so they just acquire and acquire and acquire. We have a very strong digital marketing presence, so the fast growth was great but it created a lot of problems that we had to figure out very very early on and i would say we didn't really start figuring it out or we didn't find our stride until probably 2020 so i mean it was four years of just very grindy very brute force work um i mean i worked 80 hours a week for uh, probably through the end of 2019 uh, i took zero vacations I worked every Christmas, every Thanksgiving. If I was sick, I worked, um, and it that that just it just wears wears you down over time. And and Tom was right there with me, and a, a lot of that too. It was every Saturday, every Sunday. Yeah. I'm um, still unwinding it. I'm still unwinding my those still happen. unwinding. Yeah. Look, look, look at that though, guys. Look at this. Let me ask you a question because I think about this a lot. Sometimes I feel like I make more money when I work um, smarter. And not as many hours and harder. Do you guys think you could have got to where you are today if you didn't work the holidays and Saturdays? If you were more intentional, possibly during the week, maybe, or smarter? Like, I'm just always curious of that. Like, sometimes we feel like as entrepreneurs, we got to do this and we're going to get ahead. But really, does it get us ahead? Because does it take away from us? What do you yeah. think? Oh, it absolutely takes away. Yeah. Let, let, let me answer this, Tom, and then I'll let you answer. All, All right. right. So I actually think about this a lot. Because um, now I mentor some other CPA firm owners who are going through that same kind of grindy brute force phase. And I get with my perspective to your point earlier, I get to tell them, hey, like, here's how I would have done it differently to avoid this, this overwork, this extreme burnout that you're going to, like, you're going to hit these brick walls. And when you're running the business, if you hit the, if you burn out, it doesn't matter. <laughs> That's what people don't realize about, you know, switching over to the business owner side versus being an employee being an employee you can burn out you can kind of coast and then you can re-energize and come back but if you're a business owner it doesn't matter if you burn out or not you have to keep going um and so so looking back yeah i could have absolutely made different decisions that prevented a lot of that but at the time i i didn't have enough experience to realize that i could have made those decisions so to answer your question no i don't i don't think that I don't think that it could have happened any differently than it did. But I think if I were to start a new CPA firm today, it would look and feel very different. And the decisions that I make would be very different than the ones that I made because I've now gone through that experience. Yeah. Tom? Yeah. You know, I'd have to agree with him a lot on that. I recently came across, you know, a, a, a coaching group that I was a part of introduced me to a suite of books um, written by a, psycholog- a psychologist. One of them was Who Not How. And in the Who mm-hmm. Not How book, we spent, we spent a lot of time trying to figure out how to do something, right? When if you find somebody who already knows how to do it, plug them in, they might do it better than you do and shortcut you to the process. But but to Brandon's point, though, there is a learning process in figuring out how to get there, right? Like we had to get to that. I had to get to that mm-hmm. point where I had access to those types of groups that could help kind of pinpoint exactly what needs to happen, if you will. So like... For example, in Brandon's situation, now that he's traveled this road, he can look at someone else's journey and say, okay, do this and this, and then you're gonna, he's going to shortcut their journey, right? Um, but uh, I, what I'm trying to say well, is, it's, yes, it's, totally, it's right. You're right, because like, like one of the big things with, with the 
accounting firms, really any business, is when do you hire your like hardcore technical person that can manage a lot of the day-to-day client type work, right? Or service work in, in our industry. Um, and that type of person to be really good is going to cost $120,000 to $150,000 a year. And so if you're a new business owner, I mean, you've got to figure out pricing. You've got to figure out workflow. You've got to figure out technology. Like there's all these efficiency things that go into how the heck do I get to afford 150 k resource? Um, now I know how to do that. Right. So now I can on a dime flip everything and I know exactly how I need to price. I know what the workflow needs to look like. I know what the technology needs to look like. And I also know that if you hire the 150K resource, your life will be way easier than my life was for four years. But going through that kind of grindy phase and figuring out all of those components that go into being able to afford and still make a profit on those high end resources. Um, it's a process, you know, but those high end resources free you, they free you yeah. up. It's, yeah. you know, and, and we all make the mistake. And, and I see this across a lot of business owners make the mistake. I'm going to go cheap. So instead of hiring the 150 K person, I'm going to hire the 50 K person, but then you got to manage them. You got to train them. You got to correct their work. It's like, dude, hire the 150 K person, let them hire the next five people below them and let them train them and correct their work and give them feedback. Well, you get to go focus on business development and expansion and marketing and branding and all that type of stuff. That's really going to drive the business forward. Yeah. And, and, you know, when I start companies now, I start from the beginning, getting rid of low leverage tasks right off the bat. I don't do that shit from day one because I know that it's just not worth my time. Like my time is so much more valuable and you don't know that. And you're doing stuff probably back in the day where you shouldn't have been doing it. Right. So yeah, a hundred percent which is making you work weekends and holidays and everything else. So, um, all right. So I know that another question here as we go forward with this, um, let's talk about AI for a second here because AI is a big deal. It's coming in, it's taken over. I was in the real estate mortgage space for 20 years. Uh, four years ago, I started thinking about like one, I'm not fulfilled by this business. I don't like to be in a commodity type business. Um, everybody's looking for the lowest rates and dealing with real estate agents and all the other stuff. Right. Um, although I made a lot of money, but, I saw AI coming and I saw with Rocket Mortgage and Quicken how they were coming out and people were using them very efficiently and they were working through their tech problems and all that and developing and developing. And before you knew it, it was like simple to do a mortgage. I started realizing that, hey, loan officers aren't going to be around long. I mean, it just is what it is. And now real estate agents are kind of, you know, they're coming after real estate agents now with this technology. And Zillow just bought a company called Follow Up Boss. I just see, I could see this stuff from a mile away. How about in accounting? Are you guys a stubborn type that just want to push this away and not think it's going to happen? Or are you thinking like, okay, this will happen at some point. And uh, I'm not going to try to see what what I'm seeing with loan officers and real estate agents. The reason I'm asking this is they're trying to argue the fact and put all these reasons up why they're not going to be replaced versus doing research now to figure out what they're going to do if that does happen. (laughs) So where do you guys stand on that? I'm all about it. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. the tax preparation process, tax preparation is one of the hardest businesses to figure out how to run because you have to do a year's worth of work. This is why everybody has a crappy experience with their CPAs, by the way. You have to do a year's worth of work in about nine months. And to staff for that type of workflow to to be profitable is extremely hard. It's extremely hard. Um, we actually, we just figured it out this year in 2023, 2023 was our, was what I would say is our first, we knocked it out of the park year 
uh, related to tax preparation. We had clients emailing me like, oh my gosh, it was so smooth. This is great, especially compared to prior years. Amazing. But I mean, that took us, you know, seven years to figure out. And so now it's a huge competitive advantage that we have, whereas all these other firms are still trying to figure out how do you run a good tax season? AI coming in is going to make that a lot easier for everybody. It's going to make the client experience better. It's going to free our, so we have like, we have smart, talented CPAs that have to do data entry. Think about that. Like, like these smart people that have gone to college, they passed the CPA exam, which is very difficult to do. And now they're just entering data into tax returns. We want those people talking to clients and advising clients, right? Yeah. So how do we get AI? How do we leverage AI uh, to do the bulk of the data entry piece on the tax prep side? So if we can get that, then the client experience is going to increase. Your fees for the tax services will likely decrease over time. I'm all about it. Uh, we've already started implementing AI on the research <laughs> side. So we've got an AI yeah. tool that helps us with tax research now. And it's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But what about, what about the part, the smart part where your, your employees are, you know, the smart part of them, but that gets replaced too. Yeah. I mean, maybe. <laughs> oh yeah. Like, I, I, I think that could eventually happen. I think the harder part, and I'm not saying it'll never be replaced. It could definitely be is like the, the human element of like being empathetic and coaching and like being there to explain things to people one-on-one. -on -one. I think, you know, tax returns will probably be taken over by AI way before that happens because you need some pretty sophisticated AI to make that to make that work. Like imagine like you have a terrible day and you go talk to somebody about it. How long is it going to be till AI can help you coach you through those those types of situations? So that's kind of the way I look at it. Eventually, they'll probably be replaced, but that might be a little ways off. Yeah, and well, here's my concern, guys, and I'm just sharing this with people because not to get bring bad news, but prepare people, right? I'm like the guy that uh, Noah that started building this ark ahead of time. I, I, I hold myself to that standard. <laughs> but I just read something that Meta is working on not only doing AI, right, working on AI and making it do its thing, but also bringing in uh, the, the intellect and the emotional part and the context of human thought and neurology. And that's the part you're talking about, Thomas, there. And if they do that, that we talk about down the road, but the thing is that AI is moving about 1,000 times the speed that the internet moved in, 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 uh, evolution. So those are the kind of concerns I have. So I always like, just, Hey, wake it up, start thinking about what you would do just in case. Yeah. So you have that, you know? So anyway, I just love to well, always you know, ask people that. Go ahead. Brandon. Yeah. I ended up reading this book. Like this was like oh, 10 sorry. years ago now. Um, <clears throat> it was, uh, the future's brighter than you think or something like that. And it was about how once AI finally get, and this is like 2011. It's like once AI gets to that point where it, like people's lives will be fundamentally different. Like you wouldn't work anymore. The machines would do all the work for you and humans would do other things. So I'd be interested to see how that happens because you know, if AI takes over all these jobs, what is everybody going to do? Right. People, what, 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 like, even like, what are people like Brandon and like and people like me who would do something else? What are we going to do? Like if we have AI to do everything for us, we're going to join Mike. Gonna... We're going to go bartend in, uh, yeah, in, the Caribbean. in the Caribbean. Somebody hey. needs to bar. Actually listen to this shit. So I'm driving to come here back home from this other podcast. I'm in the car. The last commercial I heard on Sirius was, Hey, you ever come home and want a certain cocktail, but don't feel like making it. 
And they were like, don't worry, you don't have to do it anymore. They have this, I forget what it was called, some kind of machine that can create any cocktail for you. And then at a party, you can have a party. You don't need a bartender. You just have this machine that creates any cocktail for you. So, so I mean, we're coming to that. Is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. So, so here's the thing. I think that we're going to have to create games to play. And that's going to be our purpose is like playing games, all different kinds of games, sports, whatever. And we're going to have to f- formulate games to play to challenge ourselves because otherwise there's not going to be any purpose to live here. I mean, that's yeah. the way it is. So I think that's where we're going to go, Thomas, for you, to answer your question, man. Um, all right, guys, as we're wrapping up here, because I, I respect your time and appreciate you guys uh, being patient with me with my uh, schedule. Um, I want to ask you about podcasting. And, you know, you already said it brought revenue into your company. It's created so many opportunities for you. Should all entrepreneurs, speakers, business owners create some kind of podcast or also go on to podcasts as guests? Uh, should you create your own podcast? Should everybody do that? No. Uh, I mean, the reality is, is that some people are super boring to listen to. So so no, don't go and do that. Um, if you are an excitable person, if you have a legitimate interest in whatever topic you're exploring on your podcast, if you're good at teaching people, and how do you know if you're good at teaching people? Because people tell you that you're good at teaching people. Um, then yeah, a podcast could be a great uh, content platform for you to develop a brand on. The number one issue with podcasts is just the consistency piece, right? Like I, I struggled with it before Tom joined and took over, but I think it's like if you produce 21 or 29 episodes, you're in the top 1% of all podcasts ever because most podcasts fail and quit. So yeah. Just like anything, the consistency, the showing up, the, it, it really matters in the podcast space. But your second question, should you go and guest on podcasts? 100%. Try that first before you launch your own podcast because you'll kind of get a feel yep. for whether or not it's something that you want to do. Yeah, I yeah. would agree with the latter part of what Brand said, but I would, I would, I have a different take on should everybody create a podcast. Maybe not every person should create a podcast, but every business should have a podcast because it's a, an effective way to get into people's ears, right? And and kind of educate them on your business and the and how your business works, right? So you might not have a podcast that's huge, that's going to be a huge megaphone for you to bring people in. But someone lands on your website, they're interested in your services. If you can get them onto your podcast, they listen to your show. Now when they get to the point where you're speaking to them about working with you, they're that much more educated on what you're doing. You, you basically shortcut your sales process. So uh, that, that's my take on it. Yeah, and it doesn't have to be the founder of the company, right? It could be some employee of the company or they could hire somebody to talk about it. So, yeah, I, I, I think there's a little bit of truth in both of those or a lot of truth in both of those, actually. Sorry. Um, all right, guys. So where can people engage with you further? Where's the best place? Is it the podcast? Is it a website? Where, where should they go? Yeah, so we have the Tax Smart REI podcast out on all podcast platforms. If you want to learn about real estate tax, how to use real estate to, to reduce your taxes, that's one way. We also have um, a Facebook group, taxsmartinvestors.com slash Facebook. You can join the Facebook group. We, we're in there. We're answering questions from people. It's a lot of great conversations. Last but not least, um, if you do want to, if you are looking for a real estate CPA, uh, we are taking on clients, and that's the realestatecpa.com. All right. Thanks for being here, Thomas, Brandon. Appreciate you guys. Thank you all for listening and watching. However, you're consuming this content. It's your boy, C-Rock, signing off from That One Studio and the What Are You Made Up show. And until next time, be unstoppable. One second, guys.